So in this first letter of the Corinthians, or the first letter to the Corinthians, we get a picture of this church. Now, the church in Corinth is a helpful and even sometimes sobering reminder that we have not really changed a whole lot in the last 2,000 plus years. When Paul writes this letter to them, this letter that we have access to now in our scriptures, Paul is addressing questions and challenges we could easily have ourselves, and perhaps even many times we do. In our life experience as Christians, as disciples, even as United Methodists, we misunderstand, we stumble, we fall, we mess up. Sometimes we become too focused on bickering amongst ourselves about what we think is really important, or we may just doubt ourselves. And in the midst of all this, we can lose focus on God's presence and activity, as the people here have so many years ago. But in the midst of that, and today, there is still the hope. The hope that as we gather, as we worship, as we invite, as we grow, as we serve, we find our way back. And so Paul is understanding this in the midst of the challenges that he is hearing about, the the challenges that the Corinthian community is going through. And in in the midst of his letter, he sends them to this passage. And this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. And then this was the verse that really spoke to me. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful, wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one spirit of God. God decides who gets what and when. So it was 2,000 years ago, and of course, even long before then, and so it is long afterwards and even beyond us. And so again, this kind of reflection of where we might find ourselves from time to time, we see in this church, the church at Corinth, who seems to be full of people, individuals looking out for their own spiritual welfare, And at the same time, sharply divided on how they are to use their gifts and for what reason and who is worthy of receiving them. Also that they are trying to figure out living out their call as a follower of Jesus Christ. And in Paul trying to guide them, if we know anything about Paul, he kind of has this roller coaster of responses. Sometimes he's very compassionate and affirming. Other times he seems very short and impatient. And particularly in this spot, he seems to be upset with the church at Corinth, um, trying to figure out who they are as a community. Some of you may know the name Stanley Hauerwas. He was a professor at uh, Duke Divinity School many years ago. He has observed that a community 
should be judged by the type of people it forms. And so, so far, this gathering of Corinthians is having a hard time producing people capable of living out the kind of Christian community that Paul was teaching them and that Jesus proclaimed in the Gospels. In the section immediately preceding this, so in chapter 11, Paul goes through this huge passage trying to help them relearn what the Eucharist, what communion is. Because at the time, he is observing that people are, you know, bringing piles of food and they're taking in the bread and the cup as though they're just having yet another meal. It kind of reminds me of when uh, McDonald's first became a franchise. So decades ago, as it's kind of sweeping across the nation, people are buying up uh, the rights to have a McDonald's in their own community. People are being, bringing fried chicken. They're, they're bringing mashed potatoes. They're bringing all this stuff and not really focusing on the burgers and fries. And, and the founders are just going crazy because they're not following the protocol. They're not following the script. People are just kind of doing what they want to do. And then, of course, as United Methodists, it made me think of a potluck. You know, how we all bring our various foods, you know, our best recipes, and we have to try some of everything, and then we sit down with this huge heaping plate full of lots of good stuff. But then we have to ask the question, is all of this really the focus? Now, of course, there is nothing wrong, and I say this from personal experience and personal desire, that we keep having potlucks with all the variety of gifts because they're all very good, but at the same time, we also know that that's not holy communion. That's not the sacrament. And that's what Paul is trying to get the church of Corinth to realize. It's not necessarily that people bringing in their own special recipes is bad. But we have to remember that's not the Eucharist. That's not the, the holy um, event of, of Christ being broken and pouring out so that we might know what it means to truly be fed totally, not just in body but also in heart, in spirit, in mind. That's what the Eucharist is. This is what Paul is trying to get the church to understand. And the other thing that's important to know about the Eucharist, about communion separate from any other meal, is that the elements are not simply to sustain us, not just us individually, not just us personally, but so that we have the strength and the means and the passion to go out into the world and to be that communion, that Eucharist, for others who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are alone. We are given the means to go serve the world for Jesus Christ. And so 2,000 plus years later, how are we focused on serving the world? How are we focused on serving others? How are we focused on recognizing those who are in need and not just passing by? It's like that metaphor of the airplane mask. Many of us have probably heard it. You know, we have to put on our own mask before we can put on someone else's. It's the idea that, of course, we need to take care of ourselves, make sure that we have enough strength to go out and do what it is that we need to do. But every so often, perhaps when we put that mask on, it's just, it feels really good to get that rush of oxygen and we feel nourished and we feel comfortable. And maybe we see the steward passing by and we might ask if they turn up the air just a little bit. And maybe while they're walking around, if we could get that extra bag of peanuts and then, and then, and then, and we may forget 
why we have the mask on in the first place. And we may miss the person who is still sitting across from us who has not had the ability to put theirs on yet. When John Wesley started out in pastoral ministry, one of the things that he wanted to change was how the local church worked alongside its community. Wesley journaled about being a preacher's kid many times, and one of the things he observed was watching people in his church, you know, singing hymns and wearing nice clothes and and giving donations so that the church itself could continue. But then as soon as worship was over, these members would walk outside and literally pass by people in poverty asking for help, but people just passing them by. Part of Wesley's movement, especially as he began to not only understand God's grace, but more importantly, understand and accept God's grace for himself, was to see how it was all connected. So as we have talked about grace before, prevenient, justifying, sanctifying, how it's all connected together and how it is available for everyone. So not just he, John Wesley personally, but the fact that it's for the entire world. And so then going out into the fields, going out into the pubs, going to these places that the established traditional church at the time may have seen as disconnected from God's presence, Wesley brings alive the spirit and the story and the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people who are in need and really exemplifying the message that Christ himself brings. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here in the fields. The kingdom of God is here in the pubs. The kingdom of God is here in the still mills. The kingdom of God is here at Mung Park. The kingdom of God is here at the lake. The kingdom of God is in our midst. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Paul lifts up the people of Corinth in their journey with Christ, not just so that they can enjoy it for themselves, not just so that they can understand it for themselves, but so that they are empowered to then go share this story, this good news, with others. We receive the gifts of Jesus Christ, and in this, in the Eucharist, in the baptism, in the Bible studies in going to worship, we discover these gifts for ourselves, but also how it is that we take these gifts out into the world so that others may experience this transformation, which is why, as United Methodists, we go to transform the world. This is what it means to be UMC. As I've said, the mission statement of the entire United Methodist Church all around the world as a denomination is making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Not only that we receive and that we experience what it means to follow Jesus Christ, but we take this experience and we go out where Jesus would go himself and we invite others along the way. And there are many, many ways to do that. It is not, again, not always just articulating the words, not just saying, let us go and follow together. There are many ways that we can transform the world. One of the blessings that we have as First United Methodists of Lakeland is that we are able to share stories of service throughout our congregation, throughout our community, and as Nikki said, throughout the world. 
Not only do we have these opportunities to do so, but we have so many people in the midst of our congregation sitting here, right here, right now, again, whether physically or online, so many of our community being able to give that service of Christ, whether it's here in Lakeland, here in Florida, here in the United States, or anywhere on the planet. As Pastor Nikki said, several of our members have partnered with Zoe Empowers. Zoe Empowers is an organization that helps uh, orphaned, typically orphaned youth, and even down to the age of three years old, rediscover their identity, rediscover their work, their worth, help them to be self-sustaining, and also so that they can help others in their family, their new adopted family of other orphans who are now part of one community, helping others. Over the years, our team of travelers from here in the church have grown. Two of our last group went for the first time. A couple that you may know, Steve and Marcy Lohr. For them, it was not just traveling to the other side of the world, but what it means to be a servant, to be a disciple in all parts of life. Let's hear from their story. This is my song, O God of all the nations, a song of peace for lands of far and mine. This is my home, the country where my heart is. Here are my hopes, my dreams, my holy shrine. But other hearts in other lands are beating with hopes and dreams as true and high as mine. We recently went on a trip to Kenya with other folks from our church and from churches around Florida. Zoe's an organization that works with orphans and other vulnerable children and empowers them to own their journey from extreme poverty to sustainability. The challenges that they're overcoming and who they are becoming is amazing. These are teenagers. These are uh, young people, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, who are starting their own businesses. They're caring for their younger siblings. They're hiring people within their community um, and helping them change their lives. From the Bible, we know that Orphans, widows, and foreigners are important to God. And for me, going on this trip, one of the things that I saw and learned was that the Zoe program is not a program from the outside. It's a program that's been developed by the indigenous people and has been um, a model that is being shared and beginning to be adopted by other folks. They're recognizing that this isn't an aid model, this is an empowerment model. With these young people, they're not um, making it a Zoe dream. It's not an American dream. It's the individual young person's dream and hopes for their lives. And I think as United Methodists, we're very good at doing that. Uh, we do it through UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief. We come in without agenda other than to help, to serve, and to provide something for people in great need. And that's what Zoe's doing. 
And I think when we do that as United Methodists, we're living up to that uh, description I've often heard about, said about United Methodists, that we're long on grace and short on judgment. We come to serve and to love and, and without agenda, without wanting to take control, just to help people and to be the hands and feet of Christ. For me, I'm still unpacking those experiences and um, what I'm taking away from it, but my life certainly has been changed. I have a screensaver on my computer, and it's places I've been and things I've done. This is the first time that I've put people. And so these children have become my heroes. Before we were a problem, but today we are like an answer in our community. Amazing what grace can do. Stories of Transformation. And again, as we know, but it's important to remember, it is not just those who are being served, but also the servants. And sometimes the roles get switched. But all of it reminds us how the kingdom of God is here. And because of that, it doesn't have to be an experience half a world away to experience similarly what it is that Steve and Marcy experienced on that trip. It can be right here in our community. It can be with the school, with the students, the staff of Philip O'Brien. It can be in the waterworks ministries. It can be in the food drives that we have. It can be in the many different ways that we have opportunities to serve right here in our community. And there are different ways to help. There are different ways to help right here in our congregation. As we have seen so many dozens of people at this point go through our Lay Leadership Academy to see how it is that they can serve as leaders, it also reminds us that all of us are called to serve as servants. And we have traditional ways of doing this, but we are also broadening what those ministries could look like. For example, traditionally, we have ushers and greeters. You experience their service already this morning. But we are also looking for people to just simply walk up and down the aisles, through our pews, through the chairs, just saying hello to folks, checking in on how people are doing, letting us, the pastors and staff, know if there's a need that perhaps we've not heard about yet. There's traditional ways to serve in children's ministry, for example, and typically, traditionally, it's parents or staff who help out, people who are personally invested because their child is currently now a part of the ministry. But we are looking for individuals in all walks of life who either want to have an opportunity to interact personally with the children or maybe help out with some of the tasks so that our servants are having that time to be with kids. We have our neighborhood ministries that has evolved and grown out of the sandwich club that started over 30 years ago. And in the midst of that, we are serving now close to 100 students after school, Monday through Friday. 
And in order to be able to do that, we need many volunteers to be there when the students show up to make sure that they get snacks, that they have help with homework, that they're a part of the worship services. But we also need uh, drivers of our buses. We need riders to ride along with our kids just to make sure that they're doing okay after school. These are ministries that nearly every single one of us if we have the time and the availability, can make an impact, a huge impact on the lives of others in our own, our very own congregation. And maybe those opportunities don't necessarily speak to you, but maybe you are having an urge, a pull to do something. And maybe you don't know what it is yet. We invite you to talk with us to talk with any of the pastors, to talk with Forrest White, our director of missions, that whatever that call that God has placed on your heart, we will help you in our own way, the ways that we are able to find what it is that God is leading you toward. Because as Paul writes, all of these gifts come from God. All gifts have the same origin. All are used for the good of others, which means every single one of you is important. Each and every one of you has a gift, probably more than one, that is important and is needed. You are able to do things the rest of us can't do. You are able to see things the rest of us can't see. You are able to to phrase things in ways that no one else will be able to hear except by the way you say it. Your gift matters because you matter. And the world needs you. It's like a a public service announcement I saw many, many years ago. They said, some people are stronger. Some people are faster. But nobody, absolutely nobody, is better. No one is better than anyone. But all of us are important. And all of us are needed. And we might think, well, you know, Kenya, Africa, that is, that is too far away. Or, you know, even across town might be too far away. But when we say for the transformation of the world, sometimes we might get too focused on the world. It's not about changing the world. It is about changing your world. Your world around you the people who are around you, the influence that you have with others in your community, here in the congregation. When we do that together, that is how we change the world. We've been hearing that a lot in the sense of, you know, things are changing to fit our own needs. And so as the divisiveness is uh, taking place in the United Methodist Church, as local churches are splintering off, um, as misinformation is going through, as all of these statements that are buzzing around the social media world, there's been a common phrase that's saying we are trying to change things to fit our own ideology, our own culture. We're even changing scripture. What if it's that the culture is changing because we are seeing in a new way that which has already always been there? In other words, what if we are not changing Scripture to fit our worldview? What if Scripture itself is changing our worldview? 
showing us and reminding us that all people are worthy and should be treated as worthy with compassion, with patience, with respect, remembering that the kingdom of God is not just here on this physical world, but the kingdom of God is in each and every one of us. What if it's not that we're trying to change Scripture to fit that ideology? What if it's that Scripture, the good news of Jesus Christ, which has been there for thousands of years, is finally helping us to see that which has already been there all along? If we are truly about transforming the world as United Methodists, does that not include each of us? Shouldn't we, too, be open to transformation? But here's how we are not changing, because Pastor Nikki and I have continued to hear this question even throughout this series. The question being, in one way or another, are we going to disaffiliate? And the answer that we have continually given is no. There is no desire from our pastors. There is no desire from our church leadership to be anything more or less than First United Methodist Church of Lakeland, Florida. There has been no desire from the congregation, as far as we know, uh, a desire to disaffiliate or even have an official vote to make that happen. One of the reasons that we wanted to have this sermon series is to remind all of us, each and every one of us, including your pastors, what it means to be UMC and why it is important for each and every one of us to make that choice to remain as United Methodists. And so there continues to be questions, and of course, that is important. And anytime you have questions, please know that we are more than willing and ready to have those conversations with you. But hear us say, we will remain First United Methodist Church of Lakeland. Not just as because what we personally want, but there is too much writing on what our church is doing and can do for us to be any more or any less than who God has already called us to be. There is too much work to be done. In the midst of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth, one of the things that he lifts up and what he continues to lift up in many of his letters is that love is the most important spiritual gift of all. And that's a spiritual gift that every one of us has. Now, we may have other gifts that can help emphasize that and embody that, but in our heart, not just as United Methodists, but more importantly, as God's people, love is that foundational spiritual gift. And that is the gift that we will continue to embody as First United Methodist Church of Lakeland as often as we can, in all the ways that we can, in all the opportunities that we can, as many times as we can, to as many people, as many communities as we can. Because that's who we are when we be UMC. And so as we are reminded of this and as we take this in once again, I invite us to share this prayer together. It is a prayer that you may already know. It is the Wesley Covenant Prayer. It is a prayer that Wesley prayed himself many times. It is one that he shared uh, with, with many individuals. And as the Methodist movement evolved into the United Methodist Church, so do we continue to take this prayer with us. Again, not just as United Methodists, but as people who are called and led and empowered by God to be loved, of course, ourselves, but to also share that love with each other. I invite us to pray this prayer together.
I am no longer my own, but yours, God. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. One of the joys of being United Methodist is that we embody a heavy theology and practice of being a connectional church, which means that we are not only connected with United Methodist churches here in our community, not only in our conference, not only in our denomination, but also right here in our congregation. It's one of the joys that we have that we are able to be supported by uh, other clergy who may not be appointed here but are still serving. Reverend Betty Beatty, who recently retired, is here faithfully almost every Sunday, always comes in and prays for us. Other pastors uh, always offer their aid, especially in communion. It is such a joy when we have other clergy who are here to officiate and, and, and serve in the sacraments. A very special Sunday, next Sunday, will involve uh, the sermon given by Dr., uh, Reverend Dr. Riley Short. Thirty years ago, next Sunday, will be Riley Short's first sermon here at the church as the senior pastor. So we will be welcoming uh, Pastor Riley here. He will be preaching the first three services. Uh, Pastor David will also be returning from his renewal leave. And so it is going to be a fantastic time of worship and connection next Sunday, on top of it also being the Sunday that we traditionally uh, celebrate communion. So it is our hope that you can be here either in person or online, and especially to those who know and love and remember Pastor Riley so well, it will not be a message to miss. So we hope that you are able to be a part of that but also just continuing to live out that connectional spirit as United Methodists, because that's who we are. That is who God has called us to be, and that is how God has called us to serve. So as we go as disciples, let us remember that it is not just our own discipleship, but that we go out and we share the good news of Jesus Christ to the world for transformation. And may that give us not only peace, but the strength to go and to serve others. Amen.